Hey guys, um, this is Random Ramblings with Rob, and I want to tell you something, uh, and everything is important about this. You have to take super good care of your children, because if you really love them, you can't let them get kidnapped or something. So just to let you know, everything is a valuable lesson about not having your child kidnapped. Getting kidnapped is terrible. And I mean it, terrible. I thought you said it was going to be about something else. <laughs> like, if you want to, like, if you're taking your child to the park and you're not, and you're not paying attention to them, they, somebody might just walk up and and say, hey, I have something for you. And then the child just goes to them, and then they're kidnapped automatically. So you have to look out for your children more often. And, that, and that's all about the stuff you need to know on Random Ramblings of Rob. Bye-bye. Here we go. You are now listening to Random Ramblings of Rob. Yay! Yeah! What up, everybody? This your boy B Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Ramblings with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week, or however you listen to podcasts. I mean, you can be bi-weekly. You might stockpile them, listen to them all on the Sunday while you cut your grass. But you're going to have to have some big headphones with a high volume to hear because if you're cutting the grass with a lawnmower, a lawnmower get real loud and you won't really be able to hear nothing. Or you're a first time listener. I appreciate you taking the time out to give my show here a listen. It's very much appreciated. Oh, man, I'm a little tired. It's uh, almost two o'clock in the morning. I just got off the hooks. The Skype hooks, that is, with Sean from Horribly Awkward. Take a shot. I haven't said his name in a while, but still. And um, we just recorded a podcast, and it was cool, and it was fun, and I met some interesting people. I met Alex. She's a star in a movie, a couple movies, one of which I just seen called The Neighbor or The Neighbors, either or. There's two of those movies called The Neighbor, so it's not the one with uh, the girl named America. Because that's a nasty, disgusting movie. I mean, you should watch that one, too. It's pretty good. But this one is with Alex Esco. S-O. S to the Izzo. V to the Izzo. I can't say people's names. You know? But anyway, check that shit out. If you can understand any of the gibberish I just said. And also, Ted. I forget his last name. Fuck. I suck at this. And he is the creator of Combat Kids on YouTube. With millions and millions of views and likes and stuff, which I think the most liked video on my YouTube page is um, the one with the porn star, freaking Tiny Ebony. And that only got like maybe 71 likes, hits, or whatever the fuck you call the shit on YouTube. Anyway, I digress. I digress. We got a lot of things going on in this episode. But before we go into who my guest is and what we're going to be talking about, guess what? 
I got some more motherfucking emails. Emails? What the fuck am I talking about? I did this shit twice today. That's it. <laughs> Voicemails, damn it. Voicemails. God damn, son of a bitch. It's probably because I'm tired. But we got more voicemails. And man, shit, if you keep the voicemails coming in, this will be a regular segment on the show. I used to only just play them whenever I got them, which wasn't often. Now, shit, it's not a show that has gone by in the past couple of weeks to where I didn't have a voicemail. So, hey, this can be an ongoing thing. I appreciate the efforts of all you who dialed the number 304-825-5762 and left me a random voicemail. One of which comes from Hoppy Rogers. He shares an interesting tale about knowing John Cena and drinking things and ambulances. Anyway, I'm burying the lead. It's, this is Hoppy Rogers. You know him for his great story quality and everything. And I'm going to let you listen to that right now. What up, everybody? It's Hoppy Rogers with a random fact. Back in 1999-2000, uh, what I like to refer to as the golden years of America, uh, we lived in the ghetto. It wasn't a project per se, it wasn't government housing, but I'm talking this motherfucker was a fucked up place. But, uh, can you believe O'Hoppy, John Cena, and Primer 55, the, the metal band, all came out of the same ghetto? So, uh, back in the day, Cena lived two, uh, stories above me. This is back before he got into the WWE, uh, he was still the prototype in Ohio Valley Wrestling. And then he moved on to be, uh, you know, by his own name in WWE and all that. But, uh, dude, this place was so fucked up. Like, we all knew each other everywhere. And, uh, there was always emergency vehicles there every night. Usually the police, almost always the fire department. But if the police, the fire department, and the EMS all showed up, we called it the triple play. And everybody ran outside and chugged the beer together. Can you imagine being an ambulance driver? Pulling up to some fucked up shit like a murder or something. The police is there. The fire department's there. You pulling in in your ambulance. And as soon as you pull in and put your shit in park, everybody in this motherfucker runs outside, chugs a beer, and dies laughing. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, what the fuck would you even say? But that was the reality back then, man. I'm telling you, the place was crazy. So, uh, we had this little dude, Crazy Larry, lived across the hall. This is really a shout-out to Crazy Larry. If you were still alive, find me, dog. But he was a Vietnam vet, real fucked up, went through all kinds of shit, long hair, Coke bottle glasses, real skinny. One of them white dudes that thinks he's an Indian type. But uh, this motherfucker, uh, one, one rip, there were some robberies going on around there. And uh, Crazy Larry, the phone rang one day. He was back before cell phone. Phone rang like 3 in the afternoon on a Sunday or something. I answer the phone, it's Crazy Larry. Get the fuck away from the door, you got five seconds. You don't, I'm not going to question this this man, he's wild. So uh, I grab my dude and, and my roommate, throw him in the kitchen, and then the, the shots ring out. He's shooting through the door, swing. He thought he was about to get robbed, and he's just crazy. This is the type of shit that happens there all the goddamn time. But uh, anyway, what's the, what's the fucking chances that Hoppy, John Cena, and Primer 55 all came out of the same ghetto. That's your random fact for the day. See y'all. And, uh, P.S. John, you remember that time that, uh, Lil B caught your, uh, all your wrestling panties down there in the dryer? Like, there was like 30, 40 pairs of these motherfuckers down there. And, uh, 
we was, I mean, we was stoned, boy. And my dude, little B, starts getting them all out. And I'm like, man, why are you stealing this man's drawers? He's like, dude. So we hung them up all over the whole building. I'm talking hang them on people's doorknobs, the stairwells, the motherfucking uh, arm that closes the door going into the outside. I'm talking, it was, it, we had it decorated like Christmas with this motherfucker's wrestling panties. John Cena, you know you remember that. Fuck you, call me sometime, you whore, you too good for us anymore, man. But you got to get back with it. Apologize. And that was the famous Happy Rogers. And, I mean, I can imagine, you know, me, let's just say in that time frame, knowing John Cena or whatever, being the professional wrestling fan that I am, I would have rode this dude coattails. He would have never blew up and left the confines of our area or whatever the fuck we were cohabitating and not take me with him. I would have been all up on, on his ass. Kind of like his wrestling trunks. But anyway, I digress. More voicemails from Ray from the Naked Porch Podcast. And he is taking shots at the voicemail championship that that motherfucker Jody B is holding. He's taking shots at the king, baby. He's down in the pulpit preaching at the preacher, you know, trying to take over his congregation. <laughs> but anyway. Here's a voicemail from Ray. He tells us a story. It's the fappening. So, I listen to your latest goddamn episode. You open the show with this motherfucker, Jody B. Actually, just... And this, this, no, it's that motherfucker, Jody B. Or it's just motherfucker. How you know it doesn't even fucking matter, right? So I'm listening to this goddamn voicemail. He's talking about people hanging their legs and arms out the fucking window and all that shit. I was all in. I was like, what? People crazy. I saw that tweet. I retweeted that shit. It's crazy. What? And then I started thinking, hmm, oh shit. I remember this one time I'm driving on Tappan Zee Bridge. That's coming from Rockland County in New York into Westchester County in New York, right? Divided two. So I'm on the bridge. I got this guy next to me. And you know, sometimes when you drive, you look at over like, oh, I wonder who's in that car. I look over. Boom. Who's there? It's the guy. And he's beating off. He's just going in. He's like, uh, just jacking like crazy. You know, all that shit. But he's looking straight ahead. So he just focused on the road while he's beating his knee. So anyway, I'm like, I look, look away. And then I'm like, oh shit, did I just see that? So I look back. Yep, he doing that shit. He's jerking his shit on a goddamn road on a highway while he's fucking driving. On a bridge gun left. So I'm like, oh shit, what do I do? Do I beat? Do I say something? No, 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 no. I just floored it. Fucking took off. I was like, I don't want to see this shit. So, I drive ahead. Okay. Now, I hit a little bit of traffic towards the mid-center span of the bridge. Now, this bridge is probably about a mile, mile and a half long. So, I hit center span. It's probably not even that long. Whatever long it is. But it's long enough that I hit center span. Traffic slows down. Now, who show up right fucking next to me? Again, the same fucking guy. He's just going to town, just working it. I'm going, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do this. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Don't fucking look. What do I do? Look. Because I'm like, ah, is he done? Oh, no, he's not done. Shit. Traffic clears up a little bit, so I move ahead. I'm like five car lengths in front, and I'm beeping at the people in front of me like, move, motherfuckers. This bitch is just... Move! Please! I don't want to see this shit again. But anyway, so I go ahead a little bit more, right? 
shirt and shit. Who pulls up? Mr. Jackie McJackenstein over here. And he's, he's, uh, anyway. So, that goes on for a while. We get over the bridge. Now we're in Westchester, right? What do I see? This motherfucker again. And I'm like, oh, I fucking hate my life. Why am I seeing this shit? Anyway, point is, got to clear it up. I passed and went about my way. This shit happens all the time on the road. And the only reason I told that story is because he's also got people hanging their legs out the window, which I think is less than a problem than motherfuckers. You got some bullshit. Your boy's going to keep cutting me off. Some mother... Fuck you, voicemail. Shit. Anyway, as I was saying, he's telling a story about people hanging their legs out the window. I'm dealing with people beating off in New York. Because you know what? They're fucking out of their minds. They don't give a shit. Anyway, I think people hanging their legs out the window is less, less of a problem than motherfuckers beating off in the goddamn car when they're driving on the highway. At least pull over. Go to some random parking lot or some dumb shit. God damn it. Anyway, uh, he ended his voicemail. This is the only reason I'm calling today and telling the story. Motherfucker, ended the voicemail talking about the champ. How dare you, sir? You are not the goddamn champ. There are people in contention. Uh, I done called you out like 87,000 motherfucking times on the goddamn show, on Twitter. How dare you? You ain't the motherfucking champ. Uh, we all know that, um, that I'm the champ. Yeah, I'm the champ. <laughs> See? I knew what I was talking about. Or motherfuckers from Blackout Podcast. Or motherfuckers from the goddamn, uh, uh, the fucking shadow camera or anybody right now. The zombie survival apocalypse podcast. Shit, I don't know who the fuck I'm talking about. This is the worst. Sounds like no goddamn preparation. I need to write this shit down so I can see it in front of me, and then it all makes sense. Point is, motherfucker, you ain't the champ, Jody B. You ain't the champ, you motherfucker. Shit! I remember now, motherfucking uh, Jared and goddamn motherfucking Hoppy Rogers. So, suck it! Suck it, Jody B! Suck it! Suck! Motherfucker! Yeah! Um, yeah, that, that, that's all I wanted to say. So, suck it! That sounded like a goddamn DX commercial. <laughs> Fucking suck it! Suck it! <laughs> yeah, people jacking off in traffic. I did that once. I got real bored. And it take it took me from my job to home, you know, just say no traffic, you know, just traffic, regular traffic lights and me driving from my office to my house. It would have took me less than 20 minutes to get home. But with this traffic, it took well over an hour, almost an hour and a half. And I got bored one day, jacked off in traffic. Nobody ain't seen me, though, because I did it on a little low. And then I wasn't really into it because it was just kind of like because I was bored and I had nothing to do in traffic. I didn't discover podcasts at this point. So now I don't jack off in traffic no more. <laughs> Voicemails. I think that was all of them. Appreciate you, Ray. Appreciate you, Hoppy. And um, yeah, let's get into this edition of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast. My guest this week is my fellow co-host on the pipe bomb with McCool and company, which is a wrestling podcast. We talk about professional wrestlers and we take your fan questions and it doesn't have to be necessarily about professional wrestling, but you just send your questions in to the 
pipe bomb NAI on Twitter. And um, we'll answer all your questions. Use the hashtag three count too. Or you can send the questions to me. Or you can send the questions to Joshy. Joshy Poo. <laughs> but anyway, Josh, he's a great guy. He is a young guy. He's like 23 now. He just had a birthday a couple of weeks ago. And um, he is a broadcaster. And he, comment- he does commentary on Universal Chatter, which is another thing. You know, they live. Uh, they watch... Raw and SmackDown Live, and they, you know, just chatter with the universe, which uh, are wrestling fans, not like actual stars and universe and things and stuff. But, yeah. So, we talk a little bit. Well, we don't talk about it. He talks about it. About, um, you know, what got him here today and uh, why is he uh, choosing the path of being a broadcaster and everything, which is a pretty interesting story that you're going to hear here in a second. And what I'm saying is dude is so young and he's so, um, you know, knowledgeable, you know, about his, you know, chosen field, which is broadcasting and, you know, the events and things that he chooses to cover, you know, he does freaking what they call the shit stenography. You could you say he's a stenographer. But he does um, the transcriptions and he transcribes all these different events and put it in the word form. So it takes the visuals and put it in the words. And, you know, it takes a lot of patience and wordsmithing, you know, to do, you know, those things. And I commend the dude on everything that he does because he's fucking awesome. And he's my co-host. And now he's my guest on this edition of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast featuring Josh Lopez. What's good, man? Whole bunch of nothing. What's crackalacking? Nothing at all. Just well, this thunder and lightning is a crackling right now. <laughs> it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it is. Especially around here, if it rains for too long, all the water start rising. Then you see the cars floating down the street. <laughs> I make a joke about on my uh, sports show that, like, when it's like raining, the next morning it looks like Germany <laughs> outside <laughs> in Chicago. Everybody out there speaking the Dutch. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it looks like a funeral's going on. Well, damn, man, I want to say this to you. It's like when uh, people share a common look. You got your biggest shirt on. <laughs> now when people share a common interest in things like professional wrestling or any kind of sports or anything like that you tend to forget the age difference because that stuff kind of just <laughs> melts away into the ether like I'm like over 10 years older than you and um, from when you know me listening to you on the pipe bomb and everywhere else when you do your, you know, your thing with professional wrestling and everything, man, you seem to me like a seasoned veteran. And like when we had um, days since I've been doing the pipe bomb and everything, where it's like, I don't think Josh going to be here. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I mean, even though you're a younger dude or whatever, I mean, you got so much passion in what you do or whatever. It seems like you've been doing this for like a long, long time. Like, you know. 
I, I appreciate that, man. That, that that means a lot. I really appreciate that. Um, I'll talk about this when we get recording and stuff. But like oh, for me, I'm I'm sorry to tell you, homeboy, but we're recording right now. Oh damn! <laughs> well, hello everybody. <laughs> hey, that, that's how we do. I do that intro shit in post. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Um, yeah, man. You know, I'm glad you said that because um, for those that don't know me or just getting used to me being part of the NEI network um, in late, uh, I say October. I think I joined the show or September. It was it was still when Matt had Adam on the show. Yeah. And for those that didn't know, I, I didn't have this much exposure to wrestling fans. I'll be honest, but I've been doing this since I was eighteen. Um, when I um, finished high school, I I was kind of in a little crossroads. Rob, uh, we'll talk about this a little later. But like when i started doing my podcast uh it was uh we were doing it out of windows movie maker oh man <laughs> i me and my friend alex velasquez who i went to broadcasting school with uh we started recording the shows from there and then we uploaded it on youtube and then once i started learning how to do uh google hangouts i was just doing that and getting on the grind and shit uh so when i was at broadcast school anyway for those that are in chicago that are looking for a broadcasting school and want to give this a shot uh, maybe you're not. Uh, maybe you can't handle the the college environment. Maybe it's not working. You don't know what your future is. Uh, check out the Illinois Media School. Um, I was at a crossroads, man. Uh, I, I I thought my plan for the future is all music, and I gave broadcasting a shot. <laughs> uh, during elementary school and high school, I was bullied and stuff, and I never thought like I I would give this thing a shot. Um, I was insecure. I didn't know if people would care what I thought about things. I've always studied things. Uh, I don't use student of the game on Twitter just for the hell of it. Uh, it's something I live and breathe through the thing and something I'm passionate about. And I wanted to give this thing a chance. And we'll talk about this as the show goes on. But I've been doing this for four and a half years so. Enough to make it a career. <laughs> yeah, and I, I went to broadcasting school for about two years, and uh, I, it's been crazy how fast this time period has gone. I felt like I just started doing my show yesterday, so it's crazy, you know, we're doing this show on the pipe bomb and stuff, and and then there's a whole different atmosphere of things I've done and a bunch of wrestling people I've interviewed over the years in my old radio show. This is crazy, man. Yeah, and you talk about the concept of time or whatever. I mean, four years is not really long. And, you know, just from what I've observed, it, like I said, I mean, when somebody's passionate about what they do, it seems like they've been doing what they've been doing for a hell of a lot longer. You know, it's just, it's just crazy because, like, here you've been doing this for four years, and i just been podcasting for a little over a year now or whatever with no freaking experience at all. I just like, uh, how do I turn this mic on? <laughs> I said, like, "What the fuck is levels? What's this noise I hear in the background? I don't know how to fix that shit. Fuck it, let, let it play." <laughs> I don't, not even the technical side, but also like being on air. Like you know, you have your way of interacting with people, and maybe your, uh, family or friends know that you're funny and you make them laugh. But it's kind of different when you're recording by yourself. You don't know if you're gonna relate to people. Uh, that was one of the things I 
had to deal with when I first started in broadcasting. And uh, it goes back to what I mentioned about the bullying stuff. I, I was insecure at the time. I, I didn't know if people would judge me yourself. And I have a different way of looking at things than most people do. Uh, those that listen to the pipe bomb understand that. I'm more of an even keel type of guy. I, nothing really bothers me. Unless you start talking about Sami Zayn theme music. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but like, I, I really take things a day at a time, and it's very different from people my age. And I've I got to talk to people that I was taught at IMS where they work at ESPN and CBS and shit, and they said, you're very mature for your age. And I, I, I appreciate that. I, I don't go out of my way to act mature. It's just how I am. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I'm not going to hold back for how I feel about things. Um, I, I, one thing that does bother me is the fact when people act like they're entitled to things and just take things for granted because none of this shit is guaranteed tomorrow. So I'd rather be remembered for looking towards the positive things and what I could do for the future and then clinging on to the passive what ifs. Okay. Now you talk about, um, being at a crossroads, whether it was deciding to go down a full music path or doing what you do now as far as broadcasting go. Let's let's go ahead and back that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. What got you to that crossroad? Was it always music and then just one day, oh, I found wrestling and here we are now. You know, what, what <laughs> well, was that journey like? This, this is a long journey because this started when I was seven. Um, my grandfather, uh, who lived next door to me. Ooh, let's play a uh, game real quick. Let's play a game real quick. <laughs> okay. What year was it when you were seven years old? Uh, 2001. 2001. I, my first child was born in January and wow. I just reached my first duty station after, um, boot camp in, um, MOS training. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Um, I, I was seven. My grandfather, like I said, uh, lived next door to me. He owned a guitar shop. My family, uh, from my mom's side, has been mostly playing music. My Aunt Berta was the choir director at my church. Uh, my Uncle Drum was a journeyman like, drummer. He played with a bunch of rock bands and stuff. And I, my, my family's been very gifted with music. And um, <laughs> it's a funny story because uh, when my grandpa first uh, asked me if I wanted to play guitar, he said, I don't know if you'll be good about this because you got – sausage fingers so i don't know if you're gonna <laughs> be able to uh make this work or not and um this is very important for those that don't know about me but uh first two years of my life i would i had uh tubes uh shoved down my ears yeah. um i couldn't hear anything uh so i i wasn't like fully mentally handicapped for uh certain reasons but it took me a while to re- get back to the train because i i was deaf at the time, um, I had to go to social study classes and stuff in elementary school, which kind of sucked because that brought in the bullying stuff, like I was mentioning earlier. And you know, when you're when you have those mental things, one thing that does come to a benefit to you are things that are passed on to you from genes. And one of those things is memory. Um, when my grandpa first taught me how to play the guitar. Literally, it took me 20 minutes, and I already had the chord going like nothing. And something my grandpa, uh, my grandpa noticed is that I had a good strumming hand. 
uh, it's very important to have rhythm when you're playing guitar. And I, I, I can w- wave my wrists like nothing. <laughs> now, I don't want to make it look weird for visual purposes, but, <laughs> like, still, like, I I, 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 I gave it a shot, and I, I learned a lot of stuff. But the cool thing about my grandfather was the fact that he showed me good music from the 70s and 80s. Uh, I grew up listening to the Eagles, uh, Tom Petty, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin, um uh, so many other people, man. Like, <laughs> I remember the first time I heard an Al Green song. Ooh, which uh, one? That I was playing. What, that was the first time I was playing those weird funky chords where your hands are like stretched out and shit like this, <laughs> <laughs> and like you, it looks like you're making a, a spider, <laughs> like gang like sign or something. It's like a five year old trying to palm a football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, unless you're Tom Brady and you're holding a Nerf ball, but oh, okay. that's neither here or there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but like when uh, I started playing guitar, uh, it really came easy to me. So, you know, I'm dealing with the mental stuff and I, I got, I feel like I'm normal now, even though I'm 22. I don't know. Sometimes I could be dyslexic, but that comes with uh, being Puerto Rican. You know, <laughs> nobody's perfect. Well, shit, uh, but... I must be Puerto Rican too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was doing, I was doing guitar. I, I, I played um, percussion, like xylophones and stuff in elementary school. I got really good at that. Um, I did that through elementary and high school. I did an all-city uh, elementary jazz band, Rob, when I was in, let's see, eighth grade. In, so I was 14. In the jazz band, did you do jazz hands? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. I, what year was that did, when you was 14? But they did have uh, uh, dancers as part of the group, oh. so they would do the jazz hands. Oh, okay. What year was that? This this was uh, 08. All right, 08. No, no, 2007, actually. All right, 2007. I was at my fourth duty station. <laughs> By this point, I'd been through a divorce, had two kids, and I was in South Carolina. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. 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 <laughs> um, so I, I, we did the All City Jazz Band. Uh, we played at the uh, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, downtown Chicago. That was a very big moment for me to play in a, a venue like that. That's very popular for those tourists that come to Chicago. Um, I played at Navy Pier uh, for a Christmas concert, which was really cool. Uh, I, we also did a lot of benefit uh, concerts for helping out uh, urban communities and stuff uh, out in the south side. We we uh, did concerts to raise money to deflect gun violence in yeah. the south side. We did a lot of those gigs back in the day. And I went to an urban uh, high school. Um, I, we, I went to a very diverse high school, and uh, I was – exposed to different things and different cultures and stuff and i got to be part of the latin jazz band uh, we did uh, you know those uh, steel drums yeah yeah, yeah. they had the, <laughs> the <laughs> notes and stuff don't worry <laughs> <laughs> i played that 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 was a lot of fun and the, this is really interesting when my first day as a freshman in high school the music teacher went to berkeley in college uh he got in uh, due to being part of the USS Constitution uh, out in Boston, and uh, he was part of the ship. He played the trumpet and shit <laughs> for the Army during the early 2000s. That's crazy. And um, he told our class, 
nobody here will be accepted to my broadcasting school. And he said that because it was his new school. It was called Ronner College Prep. For those who don't know, Bruce Ronner, a politician who's the uh, governor of Illinois, opened a charter school called Ronner College Prep. So I went there. It was a new school. I was the first student guitar player at the school. Uh, they said, just with the fact that so many people didn't have as much experience as I had. Like, literally, when I went to high school my freshman year, I already had, let's see, five years of playing guitar and percussion. So I was already kind of ahead of most people. Yeah. And um, he's like, nobody's going to do it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I, the only thing I'm focusing on in high school is getting into that school, mm. no matter what. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. Um, at, at there was one point where I was the most hated guy in my class for no reason. <laughs> like I would walk into the cafeteria and mugs would give you a, a mean look, a death stare for no reason. <laughs> and I was just so focused on doing my guitar stuff that nothing really mattered to me. Yeah. And, and, see, and, and that's where you get mm-hmm. the hate from when, you know, when some, when people see someone that's focused and driven and not um, falling into the social norms that everybody else do. I mean, they kind of frown upon that, and I don't understand yeah. why. But, and part of me um, had to realize that I had to scale down some things uh, at, at the same time because I was doing football, too. Uh, I played football in high school. I was uh, a D lineman. I also did linebackers sometimes. I played uh, from my freshman to my uh, junior year. Just so and, you know... Um, if this was the pipe bomb and you said D lineman, I would hit the Boeing button. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and like a day would be like, okay, wake up seven o'clock in the morning, go to jazz practice, uh, do the school from eight to four, uh, do football from five to eight thirty, come home, do homework, and then go to bed. Right. Yeah. So it'd be like fifteen hour days. Uh, and I was doing this in high school, and it's part of my grind. Um, I I I believe in if you want to do something, you got to do it on your own terms. Uh, no matter what anybody says to you, I appreciate advice, and I do take in advice. It's not an arrogant thing, but at the same time, you have to look out for what's best for you. At the end of the day, and I I am a good listener. I'm I'm adaptable to different situations. I can learn things on a really really quick, and it's something I've been blessed with from God. Uh, it's not something that I've maybe I've worked for it, but it's also something that came from me from Him and from my family. So. Yeah. It's something that maybe it's a trait I have that some people don't. But here's the thing: I'm not gonna glow it. I'm not gonna throw it in other people's faces. That's the thing. And I went through high school. We did um, national uh, festivals in Boston. I went there twice. Uh, the uh, it, they call it the Berkeley High School National Jazz Festival. The first year, our band f- uh, placed fifth out of 200 bands. Uh, in this is 2011. So where was I? Yeah, I I was. um, I think I was leaving uh, South Carolina, going back to North Carolina. (laughs) Were you Were you still part of the um, the army or no? Yeah, I was in the. Yeah, I was still a part of the Marine Corps. I I just left Paris Island and I was going back to North Carolina, and from what you said from 2006 all the way up until then in 2011 I done got married 
and had another kid. <laughs> <laughs> and like I did those; those were fun. Um, I uh, I played a George Harrison song for my audition uh, for Berkeley. They like travel around different cities and audition people. Uh, Berkeley College of Music is the uh, top music school in the country. So they went around recruiting, pretty much, right? Yeah, they they did recruiting and they did uh, their auditions in the same studio. Michael Jackson recorded uh, "You Are Not Alone," uh, the song that R. Kelly wrote for him. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually did my, I did my audition for Berkeley in the same studio that he recorded that song. Uh, it, it <laughs> I I saw the the poster. They had the CD, the track and shit. Uh, it 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 was really something special, man. Because uh, Michael Jackson uh, has always been one of my idols, and in regards to the style of music I like to play and how I play, um, I do some singing here and there. But I'm not gonna bless you guys with my <laughs> uh, Johnny Gill <laughs> cover skills. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I. It was a really special moment for me. So I, I did I did the audition. I played a song called Give Me Love by uh, George Harrison. Um, going back to my grandpa roots, the Beatles, uh, George Harrison. I always loved George Harrison. Uh, by the way, for those music freaks, um, if you like rock and stuff, there's a concert on YouTube called Concert for George. Uh, George Harrison obviously passed away in 2001, and then they did a tribute concert for him the following year. And um, I, I played Give Me Love. Um, it, it had a capo on it, so it's kind of like a high octave uh, type of song. And um, I really, it really got to showcase how good I was with rhythm and playing like really, um, really funky chords and stuff. And that's something that, I, I, that came to my benefit for playing jazz music because it's not your simple C or A minor you see Elias Sanson flaming on the guitar on raw and stuff yeah. uh these are actual real real deal chords so i i did the audition uh they said they'll let me know and then literally like two months before i was graduating from high school i got into the school now here here's the crossroads so cody um, Rhodes came out of nowhere yes <laughs> um Two things started to happen. Um, a lot of uh, personal issues at home started. Um, also, at the same time, I found out that you had to pay over like fifty thousand a semester to go to Berkeley uh, with moving out there. And for those that don't know me, I come from a I come from the city of Chicago. I'm from the Humble Park, uh, West Town area of Chicago, and I, I didn't come from a middle class family or rich people I, I, like anybody else that we had deal with our own financial issues and stuff. Um, and I got accepted to the school and I, I was the first person from my school to get accepted to that. And because uh, the fact that my family was coming apart <laughs> at first and then I was able to attend the school, I, I couldn't go. Um, and it really sucked. Uh, it really sucked. I, I'm not. I'm not holding the grudge against my family for that because that's just stupid. Uh, there's no point to it. Um, it, it. It just really sucks because I'm a very goal oriented person, and I felt that I accomplished something, and I want to further myself for that opportunity. And I don't know. Maybe with this broadcasting stuff, maybe I'll get that opportunity again. Uh, I, like you mentioned, I still I'm very young, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe I could do something if the broadcasting stuff doesn't work out but um 
after high school, I went to Columbia College in Chicago, which was the other music school in the city. Mm-hmm. Got to pay thirty thousand. Now here's the thing: so <laughs> you're going to get a degree in music in Columbia College, right? But they want you to spend sixty thousand dollars before you start taking actual music classes. Now, what they tell you is, that, oh, you could take enrichment classes for the meantime, but you get no credit out of it. But here, l- l- let's take your money for $60,000 and wait till your junior year to actually start taking the classes. So I'm here taking guitar classes where I'm already helping teaching the students <laughs> how to play the guitar and chords and stuff. And like, seriously? Uh, so I, I left Columbia after my first semester there. And I was, let's see, this is 2012, I yeah. think, uh, the winter of 2012. Um, man, I was, I, I was going to be uh, 18. No, I was still 18, actually. Uh, and I took a couple months off, man. Uh, I was really in a down place, and I didn't know what to do. I, I really didn't know what to do. Like, I could have went to community college or something like that and try go keep going at the music thing. At the same time, I was dealing with more and more family issues that was going on during that time period. And I was lost, man. I, I, I really lost a sense of care for things. Um, I got in a really dark place where there was nothing to look forward to. Uh, not for myself, but, you know, when families come into the part and you're not happy where you're living. Yeah. 24 7 it, it, it messes up with your head because obviously you have nowhere else to go uh i mean uh, you know living in the street or running away is not going to solve your issues from that point of view and i thought i had everything set i busted my ass for over 12 years to get into this position to do music and take this to the next level and i wanted to do it for my family i wanted to be able to fulfill my dreams for my family and show that there were talented people that actually made it and reached their goals my grandfather's a very very good guitar player and he never had the opportunity to tour or get signed by anybody uh and that stuff happens when person when real life comes in the way and like rob like at the point i gave up i i, I admit i gave i gave up for a couple of months um i uh fell off a little bit started gaining some pounds uh didn't talk to anybody. Um, I, I I was really down, and I always had wrestling in my life. I, I always had wrestling in my life. I I, I started watching wrestling in '98. Um, Jim Ross was the person that got me hooked into wrestling, and I never wanted to be a wrestler. I I I, I, I told Matt about this and people that have interviewed me in the past, but if I ever wanted to be part of the business, it was to be a commentator. Yeah. To to be the next Jim Ross. That's the reason why I got hooked into wrestling. It wasn't a particular wrestler or a moment or that. It was the enjoyment of being right there and calling it and being part of that moment and displaying that moment. And in 2013, I, I met my friend Alex Velasquez. Um, he also went to Columbia, too. It's really funny how this all comes full circle now. I didn't go to high school with Alex. So I, I want to make that perfectly clear. Uh, I met Alex at, uh, at Columbia. He was going for movies. He wanted to be a filmmaker. And um, he told me about this uh, broadcast school, which was a couple blocks from uh, Columbia, called uh, the Illinois Center for Broadcasting at the time. 
And uh, he said he's going to give it a shot. And he said, you know, you're funny. Uh, you know about sports. <laughs> you know about wrestling. You know, stop uh, resting on your laurels over the fact that this music stuff's not working. You know, g- get back on the grind. Keep doing what you did in the first place. And it, it was a slap in the face that I, I really needed at that time. So I gave it a shot. Um, I did a show called The Pro Wrestling Experience. From uh, 2013 to 2016, um, I graduated from IMS in 2015. Uh, the sports station for the school is called uh, ChicagolandSportsRadio.com. Um, I got to work with a guy named Jonathan Hood, who did a lot of basketball radio for ESPN Chicago. And um, now he's doing work for uh, Sirius XM NBA radio, which is pretty cool, too. Uh, a couple of my other... Uh, Teachers and program directors for the sports station were also working at the local ESPN radio station. Um, uh, we had a couple guys come in and guest seminar and shit. Like uh, we had, um, you remember uh, DJ Envy yes. from the Breakfast Club? He mm-hmm. came and did a seminar at the school before. Uh, I've met Charlemagne the God before as well. What you think uh, about that dude? Hmm? What you think about Charlemagne? I think he's funny. I think sometimes he over, he he tries too much to get the. I'm sometimes he's weird. Like sometimes he's he wants potentially people to be pissed off at him, and then and then the next one he's just trying to make everybody laugh. I I really don't know what he's trying to do sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. I get a weird vibe with that guy too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so we we have a bunch of people from the broadcasting business come in and give us advice and stuff, and I. Um, going back to my work ethic. So here I am, IMS. I'm doing this. You know what? If I want to make a name myself, and here's a big thing for those that are broadcasters, there's two things you really need to cram home into your head if you want to make this worthwhile. One, you've got to swallow your pride for a couple moments. A, when you're when people are trying to give you the right advice and how to do things from a technical point of view and B, you have to be willing to network with people. Uh, if you don't network with anybody, especially in this field, you're just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you have to go out of your way to meet people and introduce yourself. You have to email people. And what, one thing that really helped me in my career, Rob, was the fact that, uh, I was fortunate enough to be good at guest booking. Uh, I did my own producing uh, when I did my wrestling show. I was set up the guests. I added the podcast of my by myself. <laughs> I I did the show live as it was happening. So th- think about this: this is a sports talk station. They gave me three hours on a Wednesday morning from <laughs> uh, ten to one Central Time. It was a Monday Night Raw. Yeah, so I had a three-hour radio show uh, for my sports broadcasting school for three years, and I got to interview uh jim ross i got to interview teddy long whoa, i got whoa, to interview whoa, 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 whoa. the guy that got you hooked you got to interview him yeah <laughs> what was that so like? so think about this this is uh, literally a year and a half after i thought everything was gone for me i got to interview the guy that got me hooked into this as a wrestling fan if that doesn't show to keep fighting for what you believe in i don't know what else does like Am I, is there part of me that regrets of not doing music still? Yes, there's something that 
bites me in the ass a lot when I'm not like hired by a network or writing about wrestling. You know what I mean? Like I have fun doing stuff like the pipe bomb and my own podcast, but at the same time, you know, you're going to have moments where you're a free agent and you're not hired by people and you're not doing stuff. And sometimes I regret putting the music stuff aside, but Hey, I gave this a shot. You know, I was a shy guy, uh, I it's always was just restricted to the music stuff because I was just focusing on the sheet of paper and then focusing on my own personality and being open with people and letting people get to know the real me. So there was part of me at a time where I was reclusive, man. Uh, it was hard for me to open up to people. It was hard for me to trust people or show that I was funny or make people laugh. And a lot of that had to do with insecurity. And a lot of that kind of bites me ass sometimes today. And it's something that all broadcasters deal with. Uh, whether it's fair or foul, insecurities is just part of the business. And it's something I had to get over with because of the fact that I was bullying. I was bullied during that time from elementary and high school. And I just thought people were out to get me. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I had to put the music stuff aside. But if I was going to get this broadcasting thing a shot, I had to say, fuck everybody. And I'm going to go do what I got to do. Yeah. So kind of back to what I was at the Ronder stage. So I had the most studio hours at my school. Uh, we had they they said the person that gets the most studio hours gets two diplomas on your graduation. I had one thousand three hundred and twenty eight hours in two years of uh, going to the school uh, with helping out other podcasts. um Writing articles, uh, doing Photoshop, um, helping out with teaching, uh, video editing and stuff. And <laughs> going back to the interviews, man, I, I did I did the interview with JR. I transcribed the interview. Now, here's the thing about <laughs> doing wrestling interviews and then transcribing them. Sometimes the phone reception wouldn't be that great, so you can't really yeah. depict what the motherfuckers are saying. <laughs> so I did the JR interview. I put I I emailed it to a couple of sites at the time to see if they, they could show the podcast. That's another thing too. When you're doing wrestling podcasts, don't feel don't feel afraid to share your work like an interview out to the sites and stuff. I may have my issues with how certain people act in the wrestling media stuff, but you can't deny the exposure those sites provide. So in a way, for many years, I was taking advantage of the wrestling media. I did my interviews. I saved it to the podcast. And I gave them father. I gave them more work while they're copying and pasting everybody else. <laughs> I, I, I would interview... Jeff Jarrett, after he left TNA, that got a lot of exposure. I did an interview with Santino Morello when he was calling out fans for ripping Roman Reigns before uh, WrestleMania 31. That got a lot of uh, attention. Yeah, um, I interviewed Teddy Long, and he told me that um, the Godfather was going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> that got a lot of uh, 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 attraction. So... Like I, 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 for before I even got into the wrestling media, I was taking advantage of the wrestling media to serve my own show, and that's just part of the hustle, man. Um, it's part of the gig. I'm not doing it to tote my horn or whatever, but you gotta do what you gotta do to get your name out there. Um, and what's also crazy is like, um, yeah. wrestling is a weird thing, man. It's like you wouldn't think a lot of people 
um, watch it or enjoy it or whatever yeah. based on how social media and the news is and everything. But like, you know, just on a small level, I can do yeah. a regular tweet or a regular post, you know, about something. And, yeah. You know, it'll get, you know, decent moderate likes, retweets or whatever the case may be. But if you post something about professional wrestling, like a GIF or a picture or article, yeah. I mean, that thing spread everywhere. People are pinging that thing all over the place. And I'm just like, wow, why didn't I do a wrestling podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting about this, Rob. Like when I was doing my uh, radio show, I was so stuck to that radio format where I would do like different segments and then uh, working on the board operations and playing the commercials and stuff. And editing the podcast in Adobe Audition was something that took a while for me to do. It's not easy for those that know about editing podcasts and stuff. Um, but I got good at that. And when I did my radio show, I wanted to do something different. Now, this is when the podcasting wrestling wise started to gain some more seeing. You had more people doing the podcast. I remember this time we had JR starting his show. Jericho started his podcast. Uh, uh, we still had the MLW guys doing their shows. Mm-hmm. And Taste I wanted to do I up. wanted to do something different, and I live with a uh, positive mental attitude, so I wanted to, I wanted to do something different. I I recap the shows as they were, and try to provide more of a positive side, not to the point where I'm like, okay, everything's great and this and that. I said this on the pipe bomb before. If there's something that bothers me about wrestling, I just block it out of my head because with the stuff I've been through in my life, if there's something that's bothering me, I'm not. I'm not going to dwell on it. <laughs> I can't. I don't have the time, and it's not worth for me to think about stuff that I have no control over. Hmm. And I stood, I stayed with that past since 2013. Um, you know, I could have gave up and it's like, oh, woe is me and stuff, but I kept fighting, and I kept wanting to better myself. So as every wrestling show was going on, I tried to learn something new. That was, that was kind of my way of studying the business because you don't have a, a school for wrestling announcers. <laughs> how how are you gonna get in the business? How are you gonna get a name for your? How you get your name out there if you don't know anybody? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, and if I'm gonna be somebody that's just gonna shit on everything, what good is that gonna do for me? Uh, the first thing people listen to my show is somebody screaming his head off about an angle or the fact that oh my god, I can't believe John Cena beat Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 30. <laughs> I had people call into my show. That uh, that day after WrestleMania 30, and like losing their mind about, oh my god, the WWE's horrible. I'm not watching again because Taker Street can't do that, and I'm a Taker guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the, and then at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna be the status quo of wrestling media. I'm not. Whether that makes me popular or not, I really don't care. One thing that's important for broadcasters out there, you have to be yourself at the end of the day. You got to be genuine, and you have to stick to your convictions. I can't go on one show and talk about, you know, let's take things one day at a time, and then come on the next show saying, oh, my God, I can't believe we're not having Randy Orton and Shisuke Nakamura for the <laughs> title right now. You know what I mean? You, That's important. And maybe that's something I pay attention to because I went to school for this, and it's important to keep your integrity and in how you uh, uh, conduct yourself on air. But there's many times where I listen to wrestling podcasts or any podcast in general. They'll say one thing one week, and then it's a totally different tune the next week. And as a listener, like, how can I trust you? 
if you're trying to gain a a loyal fan base, you got to be not only you have to be honest, but you have to stick to your convictions. And one thing that really bothers me about podcasting is when somebody tells you that they're honest. 70 times i'll listen to a vince russo podcast and he's like he'll say he'll rip the wwe and then he'll just defend himself by saying well just being honest i i believe this and i don't know if other people believe this or not but if you have to tell me 80 times on a podcast that you're being honest you're really not being that honest <laughs> and I, I i heard that same thing with taz before on his show i'm just being honest oh you're not going to hear this on the wwe network Dude, we get it. You're brutally honest. We don't need you to clam our head over it over and over again. Okay, we get it. Maybe you want to be on the network. Well, how about not saying that you're trying to be honest every effing show and that maybe people will trust you more? It's like um, when people say, with all due respect, before they bash you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> low, low hanging compliments. Like, <laughs> that's not going to do you any favors. And I, I build a brand of the show and it. It reached out to some people uh, to the point uh, a guy who used to go to IMS, his name uh, is Steve Muehlhausen. Uh, he's an MMA writer for uh, Yahoo.com. And he also does stuff for Fightful, uh, FightfulWrestling.com as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Steve introduced me to uh, Between the Ropes, and he's like, you know what? You're, you do good at transcribing your interviews and stuff, and I've listened to your podcast. So you know what you're talking about. How about uh, uh, getting the getting into the wrestling media stuff and i was like with all <laughs> i did say that at the time with all due respect uh but this is something i'm passionate about i with all due respect i don't want to do rumors i don't uh, that's not what i am that's not what i do that's a slap in the face of the talent and i i, I honestly believe that and i'm not going to do it if you want me to do play-by-play articles cool it's it's another platform for me to better my knowledge of the business and you know I think the best part about doing the articles for me, Rob, over the years is the fact that I could block out social media as yeah. the show was going on. I didn't have to focus on it. I had to focus on what's happening on the screen. And it gives you a different perspective. When you're covering the show live or when, like what I'm doing now with uh, Brother Carter on Universal Chatter, we're watching the show live as it's happening and we're not focusing on social media. Yeah, we have our comments in our chat room, but we we interact with them during the commercial breaks. Yeah. You got people determining their feelings on a segment literally 30 seconds after a match starts. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, uh, we are just coming off of Payback this past weekend and people already made up their mind about House of Horrors before Randy Orton even saw Bray Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> now that's to each his own if you have different views about wrestling that's perfectly fine at the end of the day all the stuff is subjective it's not right or wrong at the end of the day but my point is as a viewer if i'm at a movie theater i'm not making my mind about a movie <laughs> one scene into the exactly. thing you know what i mean <laughs> it's just not possible why am i wasting 15 bucks and paying for popcorn and shit <laughs> and driving my family out to oh i don't i don't like how it was produced this way in this scene and i don't know about this and i'm gonna tweet about it as it's happening yeah, like it's, it's, it's what, what do you get this. out of that it's all because of this this phone right here you put in people's hands and give them instant access to bitch and it's just that's what they do like automatically right on the spot mm-hmm one cool story about the uh, the radio show, Rob. Um, I was twenty at the time, so this is twenty fourteen. Where, where, where are you at in twenty fourteen? 
2014, I just left North Carolina, and I was um, heading to my last duty station, which was Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Nice. 2014, uh, I was 19. Uh, my birthday's in May. Uh, it's actually this Sunday, for those that don't know. I- I'm glad we're recording this because it's actually my birthday uh, coming up on Sunday. And I've been kind of reflecting on how my journey's been over the past couple days because I'm-, I'm turning 23 on Sunday. And it's ca- it's kind of crazy to think that so many years has gone by since I started this and I'm getting older now and I'm not 22 and I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm not even some before you know, I'm going to be 25. It's crazy. And I, it's, I'm glad that I'm on this show to display my story because it's bringing back good memories and adding more motivation as the future goes on. But I'm telling you, if you were in the military and you said what you turned into what 23, you would be old. Like, <laughs> you would be old because <laughs> I mean t- the concept of time and age works different in the military or whatever because I mean if you go all the way through you know straight out of high school from 18 uh, and you do a full 20 years and retire you get yeah. you done at what 39 49 something like that yeah and it's just that's weird to some people because normally if you do a civilian job yeah. You retire at 64, you know, and that's just like doing a normal stretch of life, you know, going throughout the things. But, you know, in the military, you put a whole bunch of wear and tear on your body. So you age different, you know, mm-hmm. I said, look at me, I'm bald already. I went, I started going bald at your age. <laughs> you know? so. my, mo- most of my dad's side is uh, getting bald. So I, I don't think this is going to last long, to be honest with you. <laughs> We don't need to get into hairlines and stuff. I, I trash LeBron James, but mine's is not, not working so well either. But um, go back to 2014. Um, I was 19. So my birthday's in May. I haven't even turned 20 yet. So uh, this is my last year of the school. And I got an email from WWE uh, for a credential form uh, for WrestleMania 31. Um, this was after uh, SummerSlam of that year. Uh, so they sent out a bunch of emails to the wrestling writers and stuff and other media members like, would would you be interested in, uh, taking still photos at the hall of fame or being part of access or even getting credentials for media, the show itself. Now here's an interesting story and a little behind the scenes of how the wrestling media works. So I got invited to be part of WrestleMania at the age of 20 WrestleMania 31 at the age of 20 and i (laughs) for my radio show not even for my writing (laughs) (laughs) i got invited because i got to interview um bo dallas and i got to interview the miss before on my radio show and i got invited to cover wrestlemania at the age of 20 uh for my radio show and at the time, I was doing the articles for Between the Ropes, so I, I was covering. Now, look look at this. And you, some people may think I'm nuts when I tell you guys this. There was a time when I was covering Raw, Ring of Honor, NXT, SmackDown, TNA, Lucha Underground, all in one week. Six, no, main event and superstars. Eight play-by-play articles. Per week, eight, and I think what goes into a play-by-play article. You know, I mean, okay, I hear what you're saying about you know transcribing it and everything, but I mean, what actually you know 
goes into that. I'm glad you asked this because it's something I, I'm also passionate about, and I I did this very different than most people do. Uh, it's very easy to find out when people are copying and pasting each other's uh, result articles and wrestling sites. That's a shoot. Um, my ultimate goal in my articles was to have it as an ultimate reference sheet uh, for podcasts and stuff. So I would label how many matches were, or how many talking segments there. Were. I like I'll bold it out like. Okay, this segment here, this segment here. I, I made it very easy for people to really navigate what was happening on the show. So obviously some people are, don't have the ability to pay for cable and watch Raw Live all the time. Um, and at the end of the day, I wanted to do it as a reference sheet for those who are wrestling uh, podcasters and fans alike that you, did YouTube shows or whatever. And... I I put in the moves, you know. Michael Cole and the WWE conversations won't call out wrestling moves. I'll I'll do the wrestling moves, and I have a I still I still have to save uh, in case I do get back to the writing game. I have two documents filled with move sets from all performers from WWE and TNA. Two uh, Excel sheets, uh, Microsoft Word. Uh, to um, for the play-by-play article, so I use them as reference. So well, let's say, for example, you have a Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose match. I'll look into the moves for those guys. And after a period of time, I got used to the sequences of how the matches were going. Yeah. So in a way, I got to learn, like, okay, when Seth Rollins goes for a blockbuster, <laughs> he's going to probably go for a running knee strike the next second. Yeah. Or when Dean Ambrose blocks a, a boot, he'll bounce off the ropes and go for the lunatic Larry or whatever. And I I got to think Mauro Ronaldo uh, really quick because when he started doing commentary for WWE, I learned more wrestling move names than I ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, and, and I, I really him, appreciate little small stuff like that or whatever because I'm like, I see something cool and I'll be like, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, like... He's calling SmackDown Live uh, before the whole brand split and stuff, and I'm learning more moves and stuff, and it helped me out. So literally, at the end of the day, I was just doing this ultimate reference sheet. It, 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 a lot of people did reach out to my articles, and, and the fact that my articles were ranking high with outlets like CBS and ESPN and Forbes and stuff, and I'm doing this on rinky-dink wrestling sites. <laughs> Think about that. It's crazy. So... I was doing the articles for Between the Roads. Here's a funny story for those that don't know. The first night I did my play-by-play article was the night CM Punk quit the WWE. Hmm. It was the night after the Rumble. So CM Punk, my all-time favorite wrestler, besides The Undertaker, quits the WWE the first night I'm doing the play-by-play article. It's crazy. And, and like, <laughs> go ahead, bro. Whenever you had to write all that stuff down or even, you know, comprehend what was going on, I mean... I mean, how did you feel? <laughs> Man, it, it hit me by surprise because it was coming out as the show was going on. This wasn't something like, oh, three hours before the show started. Oh, CM Punk is going home. This was as the show was going on. And I'm like, damn, I, I got to focus on this. I, I was very nervous that day. You know, I'm actually covering the thing live. It's different than doing, a, you know, let's say like you're doing a project and you're typing it out and you're editing and you have time to put into this stuff. This is live. This fast You got to get the thing out really quick. And it wasn't easy, man. It, it really wasn't. 
Uh, I, I, CM Punk is my hometown idol. I look up to him for a lot of things, not from a wrestling standpoint, but for the fact that he didn't take crap from anybody. Uh, he didn't care how people felt about him or uh, put a ceiling on what he could and could not do. And that's the reason why I looked up to the guy. Uh, for for a guy his size and all his uh, flaws or whatever, he made the most out of a situation. And if a guy from my hometown can do something like that in that field, why can't I? So that that's why I looked up to Punk. Um, I know the guy. I know the guy's not everybody's cup of tea, but I, I looked up to him because I I do believe in proving people wrong. I do. If somebody says I can't do something or I don't belong for this or that reason. Honestly, I, I don't give a flying fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm going to prove you wrong, and you can kiss my ass as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's that simple. Um, so I'm I doing the articles between the ropes, and uh, it comes up for WrestleMania time. And uh, I get an email from the site saying, uh, when you're filling out the credential forms, don't use our website as uh, outlet for the uh for the credential form so you want me to cover the event and i got invited because of my own show but you won't let me use you as an outlet so i can get into the press box yet you want me to do live coverage of the show Hmm. so (laughs) we're we're supposed to take this as a shoot right you know you'll see wrestlers on they'll say hey we got exclusive live coverage from this stadium and this stadium and guess what I'm here in my home here in Chicago doing all these articles. You were at WrestleMania 32 last year. I was here in Chicago. Yeah. What does this say in my article? Oh, live from uh, AT&T Stadium in Harlington, <laughs> Texas. Well, hey, Josh Lopez here is spending eight hours of my time covering WrestleMania 32 last year with editing and how long the show was at uh, WrestleMania 32. It was eight hours, and I'm here in my hometown. So... I'm not getting paid what I should be for the articles. Uh, those who are in the journalism business will know what I'm talking about. When you get a, a certain amount of clicks, for example, Royal Rumble 2016, when AJ Styles made his WWE debut, I had 4, min- four million clicks on my Royal Rumble article. How much, how much I got out of that? A uh, hundred bucks. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Four million clicks for a Royal Rumble pay per view. I got a hundred bucks out of it. Uh, there were times that I had to pay money out of my own pocket to cover events like uh, Wrestle Kingdom and Ring of Honor pay per views, and I never got compensated for that. Oh, you talking about like just like buying the event so you can do the work? yeah, yeah. They're they're like, hey, uh, can you uh, can you cover uh, like this is like last minute like three hours before the show's actually happening? Oh hey, can you cover uh, All Star Extravaganza tonight? Hey, can you cover Final Battle? Hey, can you get uh, New Japan World and cover uh, Wrestle Kingdom at three o'clock in the morning? Uh, we'll we'll pay you back. I was like, okay, three different times I pay for it, nothing in return, and. When you tell me, oh, we're having live coverage and I'm getting success, not in spite of you, but on my own work, you get offended by that. Like, it happened with Between the Roads when the WrestleMania 31 thing. And, and I think uh, the people that are on the side of the time were kind of 
I, I wouldn't say insulted, but they kind of felt a certain type of way because of my age and the fact that I didn't have as much experience as those people. And it kind of turned them off, I guess. But at the end of the day, man, I don't care how old you are. If you, you're good at what you do, it shouldn't matter how old you are. Yeah. It, if you are, if you're helping a company, no matter what field it is, it, sh- it shouldn't matter what your age is. It really doesn't. Because if you're benefiting from that talent, no matter how old they are, what's get, what's up your ass? <laughs> how, how's it affecting you? I, I don't think a guy like Brian Fritz who's been covering wrestling for over 25 years should be uh, scared that a 20-year-old Josh Lopez is getting accepted for WrestleMania credentials at the age of 20. Yeah. A- am I taking your spot? No. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, doing the, I'm doing the coverage for you, and you didn't even pay me for any of the time I was doing the articles for Between the Ropes. The last article I did for Between the Ropes was uh, SummerSlam 2015. I took a couple months off. WrestleZone reached out to me and they're like, hey, we saw your articles and we think we could help uh, expand the reach of the site with your articles because you do a really good job with it and we'll compensate you for it. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I'm doing it. And it's just really unfortunate how politics go into wrestling media sites because it's just really funny at the end of the day. How... I know people don't take wrestling seriously. Uh, I'm not stupid. I'm not naive. I'll have people come up to me and message me like, hey, you know, you know, The Undertaker didn't really retire uh, at WrestleMania. Like, I had that message on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Okay. Or people come up to me, you know, Daniel Bryan really didn't get hurt. Well, I, I come up to I, – I, I always respond to this when people tell me wrestling is fake. Uh, you do know that that actor from Game of Thrones didn't die? You know, the guy, uh, whatever the main guy from uh, Walking Dead that got his ass whooped by, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, I'm trying to remember now. Ronnie's going to kill me for this. Damn it, I'm trying to, (laughs) the guy that has Lucille. Yeah, Negan. Yeah, yeah. So Negan, you know, the guy didn't get really killed by Negan, right? <laughs> but you're coming at me because I'm watching uh, a wrestling show and you're telling me that it's fake. Like, I, I never understand that. It's just stupid. Yeah. Like, people tell me wrestling's fake. Well, tell that to Darren Drozdoff's family because the guy can't feel anything from his neck down. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm doing this stuff and it's like, we're, I, I, I'm a trained professional broadcaster. I went to school for this. I was trained by highly trained professionals. And you're telling me how to do this and that. And you got politics and wrestling media. Not not only do people don't take wrestling seriously, but the way wrestling media works in 2017, it's a total farce. It's not even journalism at the end of the day. You have guys that share their opinions on how it angles going. And they make that as news. Uh, they'll say a rumor, oh, Seth Rollins is feeling down over his face turn. Have you asked Seth Rollins if he feels down about his face turn? Uh, <laughs> and one of the things that really bothered me about the rest of me is when they did spoilers. You're yeah. paying me to do live coverage of these shows, and I'm giving you premiere content for while other people are copying and pasting from other sites. I'll give you the actual transcription of the show as it's happening. And you're posting out spoilers an hour before I'm doing an article? 
Like, I remember when they had the, the Raw shows in London, and they'll be like, oh, we got spoilers for Raw London. Come check it out now. Oh, okay, well, we still have, we still want you to do the live article for Raw tonight because it's good for our chat room. Well, how about, how about me? You're po- you're already spoiling the show before I'm how <laughs> you supposed to do the work that night. Like, how are you going to cut my hands off and expect me to write some shit down? Yeah. And at the end of the day, wrestling media is not journalism and it's not media. I don't care what anybody says. You could say, oh, but come on, Josh. Dave Meltzer has been doing this for 30 years. Dave Meltzer has made a brand out of spiting the WWE for over 30 years. And a lot of you people like Sheba clinged on to that because you like doing that. Because you don't have the ability to study the business on your own terms. you got to go to somebody's opinion on a podcast and a newsletter to form your own wrestling thoughts. Uh, I'm sorry that a 22, now going to be a 23-year-old, could actually form his own thoughts on a wrestling product than go to a freaking website to get my news. If you've been watching wrestling for a certain amount of time, you should know what's going on. You don't need the behind the scenes of when this is going to happen or when that's going to happen. Cause that takes the fun out of it. Why are you watching it in the first place? Exactly. I was part of the rest of the media. I was doing my shows, but at the same time, I'm still a fan at the, at the end of the day, I'm not an expert. I'm not an analyst. I come on these shows. I have fun with brothers like Rob and Matt and uh, Derek and et cetera, et cetera. And we'll talk about the Adam thing later on. But at, 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 this, at the end of, at the end of the day, Rob, I'm a fan, and I take that as a slap in the face when people came and formed their own opinions, and they'll tell you their opinions right because, oh, because Lance Storm said it. Oh, yeah, this angle with Roman Reigns sucks because, oh, my God, Taz buried it on the Taz show. I don't give a shit what Taz says on this show. I don't. I don't. I, I respect the guy. I respect anybody that's been part of the business. Don't get me wrong. But just because he has a platform and he shares his opinions doesn't mean I have to agree with him. Just like when Stone Cold Steve Austin says he didn't like the Seth Rollins Triple H match, why should I care? I was there at WrestleMania this year. I enjoyed that match. Mm-hmm. I don't care what Stone Cold said. Yeah. I like the guy. Hell, I got a poster of him right behind me right now. <laughs> Just because yeah. I disagree with the opinion he has doesn't mean I'm not a fan of his. Yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. It's just like, okay. I mean, it's cool that people have opinions, but just because a certain person says a thing doesn't make it gospel. Yeah, and a lot that happened when uh, Vince Russo started doing podcasting and stuff. Oh, we got our martyr from the Attitude Era back in. Oh, my God, he's here. He's going to save us. And we get finally get our Attitude Era guy back because he's here to defend our opinions. It's not really your opinions at the end of the day. It's not. And I, I get flack for it sometimes. Like, oh, you're being a shill. I, I'm not being a shill. I'm not myself. I'm sorry that I don't stress over wins and loss records. I'm sorry that I don't bitch over stuff that I don't have, have control over. I, I'm, not, I'm not a creative writer. I never booked the territories. So who's for me to say, oh, this is lazy, lethargic booking, or they're le- leaving money on the table? Who am I to say that? Like and, and then people give you the excuse of, well, it's my opinion. I've been a fan for 30 years. Just because you've been a fan for 30 years doesn't mean you need to say what should or should not happen. Yeah. You you spent 30 years on a product. That's on you. Yeah, un- <laughs> unless you like a uh, King Ajar and you got stock and you. <laughs> but, but but at the same time, did a company tell him to become a stockholder? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll leave that there. <laughs> But it's just really it's funny. Like 
people take the wrestling media as actual media, yet the behind the scenes of it, like the guys that run wrestling sites try to do politics like the wrestling business. And it's just, it's really, really comical. It's, it's really pathetic to be honest with you. Well, how did we work our way into the pipe bomb with McCool and company? How did that whole relationship form? Well, when, when I left the Chicago Land Sports Radio, uh, it was um, my last show was the Go Home Week to WrestleMania 32. So this is a little bit uh, last year. Um, they were having more students come in, and I didn't want to take their spots and stuff. You know, at the end of the day, it's a broadcast school. You got to give these kids an opportunity to do the thing. And CSR was it was cool to me. They treat me very well with the show, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to have a wrestling show that was good for three years. I'm very fortunate for that fact. But they're like, you know, we got to implement new students and stuff, and, you know, it was time to move on. So I took a week off, and I was dealing with some stuff with WrestleZone. I was kind of pissed off with the fact that I couldn't go to Dallas because, okay, we could get approved for Nick Hausman for WrestleMania access, uh, credentials, but you can't get little old Josh Lopez in the press box and do a freaking article. I'm not asking to do interviews. I'm not looking to go backstage with the motherfuckers. I'm, I'm coming to the event just to cover the show because, hey, it's live coverage, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, at, I, I got really burnt out uh, WrestleMania time last year, Rob. I really did. Um, I was done. I wanted to take a break, and I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do next, man. And I... I was friends with Adam Daly at the time, and um, he reached out to me and asked, "Hey, you know, we Adam was a, a frequent guest of mine on my radio show at the time, and we had good chemistry on the air. Uh, I can't deny that. For those that listened to my shows before or whenever me and Adam were on the pipe bomb, I can't deny the fact that me and him had chemistry on air, just like." Me and you have chemistry on the air, or what me and Matt have chemistry on the air. You can't deny that. It, it just happens. And he's like, you know what? I'll be there for you. I'll be your co-host. And I'll, you just be yourself. <laughs> Don't hold anything back. So literally, it was like two weeks after WrestleMania 32, I started my own wrestling podcast. Uh, I still do it this, uh, today. Uh, I'll talk about that later on if I get plugs in wherever. But I... You know what? <laughs> we spent the first part of the show talking about wrestling, and then the rest of it we talk about Dave Chappelle uh, oh. skits. <laughs> Sounds like my <laughs> and type comedy of show. stuff. <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of fun, man. We had a, we had some good viewership and stuff. I remember I did an interview with uh, the Squared Circle guy that you, you know that guy that goes in the front row with the Squared Circle T-shirt yeah. all the time. Uh-huh. He's from Chicago, so I got to interview him with Adam, and we got a lot of views out of that stuff, and. There was a point, man, uh, with with iTunes, like, uh, literally not even two months in, like, me and Adam were hitting 30,000 listeners a, a week with the podcast when I was doing it with him. And he's like, hey, you know, I do work with WrestlingRumors.net, right? So they had the wrestling warm-up show. He introduces me to Matt, and I have my opinions on dirt sheets, and I, I don't want to like look down on people because they do dirt cheese. Hey, you got to do what you got to do to make a name for yourself. Like I said at the beginning, right? Yeah. So I wasn't going to begrudge Derek or other people because they work for that site. Uh, I worked for a site, but that didn't mean I'm a dirt sheet writer. <laughs> what, what, what play by play articles is considered dirt. Cause I was 
writing what's happening on the show. Mm, unless it's a buried alive match, then they got a lot of dirt in there. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> or unless you're uh, transcribing the angle where CM Punk is uh, burying freaking uh, uh, Paul Bear's ashes on the Undertaker. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yep. Like, I wasn't going to begrudge them, you know? Like, okay, I'm not with the whole dirt sheet crowd or the IWC, but whatever. I'm fine meeting new people. Matt had the pipe bomb. I checked it out a couple times. They had a, another uh, co-host at the time. And I enjoyed the show because uh, obviously me and Adam were brothers. He was a big brother I never had. And I looked up to him a lot. He, Adam helped me out a lot from an on-air standpoint as well. And it's funny, the guy never went to broadcasting school. The guy was very talented and very smart. And I learned a lot from him. He gave me a lot of uh, life advice. And I look up to him as a brother. I do. Uh, he really helped me out and shaped me to where I am on an on-air point of view and try to be more ca- uh, clear and stuff. And um, he's like, hey, you know, we have an opening uh, for the Python. Do you want to be part of the show? I know you're busy doing the articles and stuff. I don't want you to overdo it. He always told me about this. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of people tell me a lot. Don't Don't get to the point where you're doing too much where you're going to burn yourself out. And that's kind of the thing that kind of bites me in the butt a lot of times, even though I'm young. Like, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like, I, I could be having so much success with my podcasts or articles, and I, I maybe I'm feeling like I'm down because I'm not hired by a radio station. Maybe I'm feeling down because I'm not covering WWE on CBS or ESPN.com. Like, <laughs> like, there's a lot of me that feels like I'm not doing enough, and I'm not, I'm not where I should be. And that's a, that's a challenge I deal with every day. So he's like, hey, let's give this thing a shot. It's called a pipe bomb. It's unfiltered. <laughs> say what you yeah. got to say. So I think it's uh, more so now. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and I came on, and it, it, it really got – this podcast really started gaining some momentum when I came on. I wouldn't say it was because of me. It was just – we brought the chemistry up I had with me and Adam, and then we also had Matt at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the show just started picking up momentum. Uh, I, I got messages from people I never met before. I started uh, conversations with people during Raws or SmackDowns and stuff. <laughs> like, people reach out to me and say, hey, Josh, good job with the podcast. Or uh, I'll have somebody, like, for example, Nate the Great. Oh, yeah. Nate good the Great's dude. been a, a loyal um, supporter of the pipe bomb, and I could be more appreciative for that guy. He's awesome. Nate the Great would always say, "Hey Josh, I agree with you. Your opinion on this." Or Nate the Great would say, "Hey Josh, I appreciate that you're level-headed when when it comes to wrestling. That you're not bitching all the time like everybody else." <laughs> and that was a little something that I wanted to bring to the show. I think when you have a podcast, when you have multiple people in, you have like certain I want to say characters, but Certain people will bring different aspects to what the show is. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Hugh have good chemistry with the fact that we're able to be ad lib with our comedy yeah. and stuff, <laughs> or with our vulgar stuff uh, <laughs> and innuendos. Yes, uh, all in the windows. And, and Matt's good with the stuff because he knows what he's talking about. He studies the product. He's very knowledgeable, and I think that's what makes our show work. Mm-hmm. And we had a good run uh, with Adam on, and then funny thing is, I did a, I did my own show with Adam the day of the election, and then <laughs> the next day I found out, oh, he's gone. 
yeah, <laughs> that he's not CM doing Punk. podcasting anymore. Yeah, he pulled a CM Punk on you. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he dipped. Yeah, so that's how I got started with the pipe bomb, and um, I'm grateful to be part of it. I got to meet a lot of people from the NAI network, uh, like Rat with Ant, uh, G Rod. Met the main guys, of course, Jason Lee and Bill. I got to meet you. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to meet uh, Raj. Uh, I got to meet him. I got to meet uh, Maddie Wilson. So many people. Ellie Hofford. The list goes on and on. There's so many people in this damn community. I can't I can't wrap it all in one brain at the time. But uh, it's awesome, man. I'm very, very grateful to be part of the NEI Network because it, it not only helps me grow my own brand, but... I get to hang out with people I care about. Yeah, I get to interact with people every week. We get different guests sometimes, and sometimes I feel like our show should be just what it is, like us, because I like our show as it is. I don't feel like we need to be uh, guest-heavy yeah. on our show. That's how I feel, but I- I'm fortunate to be on the pipe bomb, man. It's really special, and I feel like our show from a on-air standpoint, if I was a wrestling fan and I didn't know you or Matt, I feel like your show is more entertaining than Vince Russo's show. I think any show is other more entertaining shows. than that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have a lot of popular wrestling podcasts from people that are in the business. And I'm not going to take anything away from them. They deserve their fan base. That's awesome. I'm not going to begrudge them. But I'm speaking more specifically of people who do podcasts as media members mm-hmm. <laughs> and fans. And I feel like today's wrestling media world is kind of outdated. Uh, we had the same opinions from people that started watching wrestling from the 70s and 80s, and I think it's time to change our point of view on things, but that's how I feel. Yeah. So, before we go ahead and wind it down, you got any shout-outs that you'd like to give? Any plugs and all that stuff that we do? Yeah. Um, first, I want to thank you for um, having me on the show, because... Um, you know, you said a really nice complimentary things to me, and I gotta thank you for being part of the pipe bomb and uh, being consistent. Even though Matt could be late <laughs> when we're recording the shows <laughs> and all this other nonsense, but you you're a great part of the show. And uh, the fact that I have somebody else uh, somebody else on the show that I can feed off comedy well <laughs> with, and uh, you're not afraid to bust my chops on the show, and I, I appreciate that. And uh, it keeps me on my cues. It doesn't doesn't get me to the point where I feel lethargic during the show. Mm-hmm. So I got to thank you for that. You're very good. And I've listened to a lot of your co- uh, podcasts before and, and it cracks me up, man. you got something working here. And I, 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 the main thing I appreciate the most about you, Rob, is the fact that you're good at hustling uh, when it comes to this stuff. It's not, it's not a dig at you. It's really a compliment, especially in this field. If you want to be successful at this, you got to keep that grind going. No matter what, you got to keep doing podcasts. If one week you're not, if one week you get sixty views, and then the next week you get twelve thousand views, you gotta keep doing it, man. Like yeah. I've had weeks where I had an interview on a radio show that would get nine thousand viewers, and then the next week I would get twenty five hundred. <laughs> so it's part of the business, but you grow with every show you do. So I want to thank you for being part of the pipe bomb. Man, we can just end it right there. You ain't even gonna say. <laughs> I do. I do want to give also another person a shout. Out. Um, this guy I'm um, rocking a shirt with right now. Yeah. Um, I talked about CM Punk and Jim Ross being an idol for me, but um, I gotta thank uh, Christopher Wallace, known as uh, Notorious Big, for being another big uh, role model for me. Uh, 
like me, he doesn't hold anything back. Uh, he, he is humble. Uh, he is a good man. Uh, for those that saw the Notorious movie, he does care about his friends and his family. Yeah, maybe he, he led down the wrong path sometimes, but he did things on his own terms. And he, he, he started a movement at a young age. And I feel like I'm starting a movement and changing the wrestling media for the better. So I, I look up to Biggie for that reason. Of course, we all love the music and stuff, but Christopher Wallace, the man, is one of my main idols as well. So I want to give a shout-out to him. And I want to give a shout-out to um, Matt. Follow him at Twitter at McCoolNAI. Um, follow uh, Brother Carter, the obsolete mule Derek Stoughton at Derrico06. <laughs> man, where did that uh, come from, dude? Huh? The obsolete mule. Where did that come from? Uh, it started with the whole Matt Hardy stuff when it's the angle started in TNA. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, 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 there was a phase where I was like hashtag broken Josh Lopez. There was a time I put that on <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> and I became broken. And then uh, I was like, I need an obsolete mule. <laughs> it can't, it can't be Adam because I said I don't have any contact with the guy. But I, I need somebody else who can be the obsolete mule. So. <laughs> Brother Brother Carter fitted perfectly, just the way he is, and I, I love him, man. He he's out there, but he's absolutely hilarious. I, I love doing shows with him. And he's not afraid to put you on the list. Yes, absolutely. Uh, as as our show last week uh, truly displayed that. But that's pretty much it, man. I, I gotta thank the NEI Network for accepting me for being part of the pipe bomb i know that i'm not like every other podcast where this uh podcast member that's gonna bash the product or go on booking rants every single podcast uh i know some people can be turned off of that but i i appreciate them giving me the opportunity and i'm grateful for the people i got to network with and um i'm looking forward to what's the what the future holds for me man because coming up on sunday on turning 23 Michael Jordan is a Chicago product, and this is going to be my Michael Jordan year, and I got to make the best out of it. Uh, I'm not signed by a major network. I do podcasts, and we get good exposure for it, but at the end of the day, the grind never stops. And if you feel like you're good at something, you got to do it on your own terms at the end of the day, and you have to keep going no matter what. Bam. Couldn't say it any better, man. Once again, you know, I appreciate you and everything that you do, putting your creativity out in the world for everybody to enjoy. And as it is with every guest, you've been on the show once. The door is always open for you to come back anytime you want to. Believe that. And let me just say this really quick, folks. If you're feeling down and you see a good piece of waterfall, uh, don't be ashamed to put on uh, um, My, My, My by Johnny Gill and get your groove on. (laughs) You want to lead us out with a little bit of that? No, I can't. (laughs) Maybe next time, but I I love me some new edition. I I love R&B music. If I had a a genre to play on the guitar, it would probably be jazz or R&B more than any other style of music. Yeah, because that's the music that makes the waterfalls. Damn right. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) All right, man. We're going to go ahead and cut it here. Once again, I appreciate you for coming on, and I'll see you, uh, what, tomorrow <laughs> yep right. yes, sir. and that was the show yeah baby pleasure having my man Joshy on the show 
like I said, dude is passionate about what he does. You know, he doesn't slouch. He puts 110% into everything that he's doing. And I appreciate that brother for, you know, putting his creativity out in the world for all of us to enjoy and his know-how and his expertise. Dude's super talented. If you need somebody to write something down for you, Josh is the man. So um, hit him up and everything. I'm so sleepy right now. I'm falling asleep. I'm falling asleep right now. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go lay down and alarm is going to go off. I'm going to have to get up and be going to do some church, which I haven't did church in X amount of years. And it's going to be weird. I'm probably going to burn up as soon as I walk through the archway, <laughs> of the, you know, of the damn building. So with that being said, you can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and any kind of other shenanigans, that's how you do it. Also, the show has a Twitter. If you want to reach out and touch the show with your virtual fingers and hands, you can do that at. Wait for it. R R R underscore podcast. That's three R's underscore podcast. Also have a website called randomrobcast.com. If you go to randomrobcast.com, you can find all kinds of ways to help the show grow by contributing to the show through the patron account, which shout out to Brandon McIntyre and Glenn Abbott for contributing to the show. And um, also there's merchandise to be had. You can find t-shirts of all kinds of varieties and colors and sleeves and no sleeves all on randomrobcast.com. also you can find me on instagram i do all kinds of videos in walmart just walking around showing you stuff that's on the clothing rack and then i turn the camera on to myself and i have those clothes on because i shop at walmart all the time duh right um also, the Random Ramblings with Rob is a part of the Hush Your Face Entertainment Network conglomerate thing. It's me along with uh, seven other podcasts, one being the Tavern Podcast, which is the flagship show for the network. And uh, Horribly Awkward with Sean, we are teammates now. Also, the Horrible Gamers and the Robin Slim show and three is comedy and the nerd walls whales one of them I don't know man I haven't memorized them all yet <laughs> but they on there so give them all a listen you can find all that at hushyourface.com it's not your face y-o is your face the whole word not the short slang version and uh man that's it i'm tired about to go to bed hey next week um i'll have the ceo and founder and creator of the laughable app which is a lovely platform for podcast catching and it's also a app highlighting comedians 
and comedians that have podcasts and been on podcasts and so on and so forth. It's a great app. Love the interface. It's it's improving. And here coming up within the month, I think on the 26th, I, don't get me lying to you. For more information, go to Laughable uh, on Twitter. And you can go to their website and get all the info. But they got their first live event coming up here in New York close to the end of this month. So look into that. There's going to be comedy and laughs and all kinds of cool stuff. But Ned Kenny, Kennedy, I'm drowsy as fuck. He is going to be my guest next week. I'm just call him Ned because it's easy to remember. <laughs> and I'm horrible with names. I'm sorry. But it was a pleasure hearing that man talk as well because, I mean, he is very knowledgeable. And I guess whenever you put your time and money into something, I mean, you tend to know a lot about it, right? Which I put a lot of time into this podcast and I don't know nothing about shit. (laughs) Anyway, we got that coming up. Also, we have the current ROH champion, television champion of all the TVs, J.J. Blake coming up professional wrestler awesome time talking with him and um more to come just stand by with your ear holes and listen and um don't forget to daggone watch your kids and take care of them or they're gonna get kidnapped that was a psa by baby b rob i don't know why she wanted to tell you that but she told you that and you should heed her warning with that being said i'll see you next time